So anyway, let's go to Genesis 15. I'm wasting, I have 30 minutes, and I want to reset the clock, okay? Because <laughs> I have so many things to say in this chapter. So if, if that's the only thing you can remember this morning, with all my jabbering, God wants to speak to us all the time, especially through scripture. So, uh, so here we go, let's, let's go to Genesis 15. Let's turn there, if you have your Bible, your mobile app, what have you. If you can't find it by now, don't try. Just, just look to your neighbor. Um, all right, so let's, let's start Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the God, I think it should be up there. Uh, the, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your great reward. So if we read this a little bit quickly, we will jump to what God said, right? Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your great reward. But for me, as we read this, why did Abram need to be encouraged? Right? Why did God tell Abram, do not be afraid? It's safe to read this passage and assume that Abram was afraid of something. What was he afraid of? Because, wait, he just won an incredible battle, right? Genesis 14. Um, there was a battle, uh, Gavin shared on that last week, the battle between four kings versus five kings. And Lot got captured, he went, he defeated them all, and he brought back, so he won an incredible battle. So why was he afraid? Because that's what we can see. So we can see after this. So that means after what just happened in Genesis 14. Um, so if we look at the end of Genesis 14, it said that Abram turned down, uh, Gavin shared on this last week, he turned down the king of Sodom and refused the spoils of war that was rightfully belonging to him because he won. Right? And in front of King Sodom and many other people, Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. He didn't take anything that was rightfully his, but he decided to give a tenth of everything that he had. Not just from what he got from the recent victory, a tenth of everything. So Abraham pretty much told King of Sodom, I don't want anything from you, not even a strap of a sandal. So that's Nothing, period, right? Um, and to take it even further, to rub it in your face, I am giving a tenth of everything in front of you and everyone else to Melchizedek as an expression of my trust in God's provision. And I want to bring this passage from Genesis 14 to our attention as it is the first mention of a tenth. Tie means a tenth. A tenth means tie. I think you guys, hopefully you guys know that. If you didn't know that, that's what it means. Tithing is a tenth. Uh, so without spending too much time on this topic, I will say that um, tithing and giving is about our revelation of, of who God is and our revelation of the relationship between us and God. This topic deserves a lot more time than I'm giving to it. But I want to sum it up by saying there's a strong correlation between how generous we give or how generous we tithe and our revelation of who God is. If we really know who he is, when we tie and when we give, it's a way of us giving back to him, trusting his provision. So I'm going to say that again. There's a strong correlation between how, how we tie versus our relationship with God and who he is. So for those who are here often, um, most of you are here often, you know we rarely, rarely talk about tithing or giving, right? Just for the record, I want to be very clear about tithing and giving. We believe in it wholeheartedly. Um, 
So if I could, it's actually recording. So for the record, we completely believe in tithing. And we believe in tithing as much as we believe that scripture is the word from God. However, we don't talk about tithing or giving often because we choose. We intentionally choose to focus on and talk about the relationship of who God is. We talk about the importance of having a relationship with God. Because when we grow in our understanding and our relationship with who God is, it will transform, transform our perspective in all areas, managing our finance, tithing, how we parent, how we deal with our relationship, how we make decisions, life decisions, career decisions, and what have you. So tithing is just a, a, a kind of like a benefit that comes along with us knowing more of who Jesus is. And that's what we want to focus on because that's what Jesus came to do, right? Seek and save the lost. And that's what we want to keep the focus on. So anyway, that's, I just want to say that really quick. So just in case you're wondering why we never talk about tithing and giving. Um, so anyway, let's get back to why Abram was afraid. Probably wondering in your mind, we'll never get through this chapter. Because we haven't gotten to verse 2 yet. So let's get back to why Abram was afraid, right? Why God had to comfort Abram. It was after Abram gave away a tenth of everything. So his action was a show of faith in God's provision, right? However, after Abram, after that, he probably had some doubts about his wealth. I just gave away a tenth of everything. And I'm actually a foreigner traveling through someone else's land. And I just gave away a tenth of everything. And he was worrying about his inheritance. For me, as I was reading this and reading through it, personally, I can relate to this because I remember the first time that I tithe. Because I felt really good. You know, I wrote my check, I put it in. This was a while ago, not just recently, just so you guys are wondering. Um, so I, I gave you know, my check for the tithing, and then I felt really good, but then once I got home, suddenly I realized, what did I do? Why did I do that? I worked hard for my money. I can use that money for so many other things. I can pay for so many bills. But, but anyway, so I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm relating from that perspective because I think that's what happened to Abram. He just gave a tenth of everything. And now suddenly he's worrying. And the reason I think we can see why he was worrying because when the question, the re, the question came up, which is not about money, because after we take a step of victory, right? So it's not about money, but just after we've taken a step of victory, a step of faith, or we, or we gain something in our, our area of, of walking toward what God has called us, the enemy will come and try to bring doubt into our minds and, and, and telling us, why did you do that? Why did you give up your money? That's yours, that belongs to you, versus this is who God is. So keep in mind always that the enemy is real, right? I said earlier, God is real, so the enemy is real. And he's doing everything he, everything he can to prevent us from walking fully into the inheritance that God has set aside for us. So I think this is the same of what happened to Abram in Genesis 15. Because whenever someone takes a big step of faith, that's what Abram did. To show everyone around him, I trust in God's provision. I want nothing from you, but I'm giving this to Melchizedek. We see that throughout scripture. Because um, an example that we can see is Elijah. For those of you who may or may not be familiar with Elijah, of the story, first, if you're not familiar, read 1 Kings 18 and 19, right? He called down fire from the sky and then killed off 850 prophets of Baal or Asherah or false god or whatever. It's incredible, right? And then suddenly, after that, he was afraid because 
Jezebel threatened, come on, right? When you read this story, you think, come on, you just call on God to bring fire down from the sky, kill off all these prophets, and then you're afraid of a person. But that's what it is. So whenever we take a step of victory, the enemy will bring doubt and cause us to be fearful, to be anxious and not realizing the God that we serve. He just came through in a miraculous, incredible way, and now suddenly I'm afraid of another human being. So, so that's, that's an example. I, I, I know I'm just kind of going completely off course here, but, at, but at, what I'm trying to say is, Abram, something that happened to him happens to all of us, right? He's taken a step of victory, walked more into uh, what God has for him, and suddenly the enemy came and attacked him. That's why God showed up. That's why God showed up and just said, do not be afraid, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't need to come and, and encourage Abram. Because Abram was afraid. He said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your great reward. And we can tell by the next few couple verses of, of what Abram was afraid of through his response or through his question to God because he said, sovereign Lord. I'm using the NIV version, by the way. What can you give me since I remained childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus? You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So that's what we can get a glimpse of what Abraham was afraid of. See, that was one on his mind, is who would inherit my estate? What's going to happen to my household? What's going to happen to my inheritance? That's what Abraham was afraid of. And that's what Abraham was concerned with. He wasn't worried about losing a battle or going into a battle with somebody. He was concerned about his estate and his inheritance. Because Abram, respectfully, right? He said, sovereign Lord. He didn't say, hey, buddy, or hey, daddy oh. He was respectfully, respectfully asked that. Sovereign Lord, who will inherit my estate? And God's response to Abram was, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood. I think most of you know this. He took him outside and said, look up in the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So there's a twofold answer here, right? Number one, you will have a son come from your flesh and blood. So that's a physical. That's a physical. And then number two is your offspring will be like the stars in the sky. So that's a spiritual. That's who we are. So you will have an inheritance both in the physical sense and a spiritual sense. But before we went into a little bit more about your, our offspring, his offspring, Abraham's offspring. I want to just pause for us to talk about this one short sentence right here. He took him outside. Um, can you go to the next one, uh, Dollar? He took him outside. Maybe one more. One more. Okay, he took him outside. For me, when I read this, the image that I have in my mind was God as a father put his arm around Abram and walk him outside. See, that's something that I want to encourage us to think about. What do we imagine? What do we see when we read that? He took him outside. Just a short, short verse, right? A lot of times, some of us may miss it. We think, oh, okay, well, Abram's going outside with God, but how did that happen? That will speak to how well we know God, our revelation of who God is. Either God took Abram by the hand, 
Or God just went outside, Abraham followed him? Or God put his arm around Abraham and walked outside together? Because that's how I see. That's how I imagine it. And when I read this verse, that's what I see. It's God putting his arm around Abraham, my son, my child. Come outside with me. Let me show you of the incredible things I have planned for you. Right? The spiritual offspring that is going to be coming out through you. And we are all his offspring, right? All the followers throughout the history. We get to be Abraham's offspring because of the next verse. There's so much in the next verse here. For those of you who don't know, it can probably go for like three or four sermons in this next verse alone. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Once Abraham heard what God said, he believed. Abraham, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited God credit to him as righteousness. We are Abraham's spiritual descendants through Jesus Christ. We know that through Romans chapter 4, right? Abraham is a father of the faithful. Abraham, we say this all the time, the original friend of God, right? The only person in the Old Testament that God said, my friend, Isaiah 41, verse 8. The only person of all the incredible prophets and people that God had used, Abraham was the only one that God said, Abraham, my friend. Abraham, my friend. So for all of us, we should be very thankful. I am thankful, and I want to encourage you guys. You guys should, we should all be thankful for Abraham's faith because this verse is pivotal. It's pivotal to all of us. Like God credited Abraham as righteousness through his belief in God. So we're all credited with righteousness by God through what Abraham did. Right? Abraham, the father of the faithful, he paved the way for us, so we get to ride in the, the wave of his coattails, so to speak. So Abraham believed in God, and he was credited as righteousness, as righteous. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. So we will be credited, or we were credited as righteous. So let's do a quick review on what has happened so far, right? Abraham was concerned about his estates and his possessions, so he was in fear. It's like, oh, I'm losing some of my wealth. And God came and comforted him. He said, I am your great reward. But don't worry. I will give you more. Don't worry about what other people will give you. Just like what you told to uh, the king of Sodom. Do not accept a strap of the sandal. I will give you. I am your great reward. I will give you a son from your own flesh and blood from your own flesh and blood to be your heir. I feel like I'm going way too fast. I'm too excited. I need to get out what I have on here. So not only that, God also said, you will have billions of spiritual children. Maybe trillions, right? You can't count the stars, so I'm assuming it's a gazillion of uh, spiritual children. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. So when Abram believed God in the impossible, it is impossible because at this time, Abram was roughly 85 years old, and there will be a son that comes from his own flesh and blood. So think about that for a second. Think about that. 85 years old, and he will have a son. Well, actually, not yet. Once he's a little bit older. So this was when, once Abraham believed in God, and this was when God declared for the first time, at least the first document in the Bible, he declared who he was or who he is. I am the Lord. I am the Lord who brought you out and gave you this land to take possession of it. I am the Lord. Because Abraham believed, that's when God declared, I am the Lord. 
So what came after that? Abraham asked when he can have possession of it. Again, respectfully, right? Um, can you go to the next one, Dollar? So Abraham kept on going. Genesis chapter 15, verse 8. So for me, when I was reading this, the first thing that came to mind for me was, please don't take this as disrespectful. I said, bro, you're pushing your luck because God already said, I will give your land to you, give you possession of it. I am your shield. He already said that, right? I am your shield. I am your great reward. You will have a son from your own flesh and blood. Your offspring will be like the stars in the sky. I am the Lord. I will give this land. I, give, I will give you this land to take possession of it. So apparently those statements from God is not enough. Abraham needed more assurance, more specific. This is unlike what happened in Genesis 12. I think we all know this. In Genesis 12, when God called Abraham to go from your country, go from your people, go from your father's household, I will make your name great. I will make you into a great nation. He just left, right? But now, I think he's beginning to ask for more questions. The reason God didn't reveal all the specifics because Abraham had a pioneering spirit within him and he just wanted to see the big picture. It's the same thing with us, right? For those of you who are here, or maybe I think we're still in a young stage, it's that you need to have a pioneering spirit to realize this is what God's called me to do, and this is what I'm going to do. Don't tell me all the hardship and the struggles that will come along because I may change my mind. You just want to see as, as a pioneer, you want to see, oh, open land, vastness. I want to ride, well, think of a cowboy back in the old days. I want to ride on my horse as far as I can see. But then again, you know, like the specifics, like building your own house, uh, fighting off whoever and the danger. Anyway, I, I don't want to go off course, but that's, that's why Abraham had a pioneering spirit. But now he's beginning to ask some questions. So be careful what you ask for. You may or may not like what you hear. But God will tell us because he wants to tell us. But you may not hear, you may not like what you hear. Because God revealed that Abraham's descendant will get the land as specifically described by God, right? Till the end of Genesis 15, but it will be a while. It will be a little while. Because God's plan involves so many other people and components and events, right? We're just a small part, a component in God's overall plan. His plan, God's plan for Abraham's descendants involves what? Um, I don't know if I put it up uh, on the slides, but 400 years, 400 years of being enslaved and mistreated in Egypt. So this is an instance where when we seek to hear from God and we keep asking him, he's just going to reveal a little for us just so we know what he wants us to do. Make sure that we are mature enough and secure enough if you want to ask for more details. Because we need to realize that God's plan is much bigger than us, right? The universe doesn't revolve around us as much as I think it should be, but it doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around God. So when we ask him what's going to happen, be careful. Well, I, actually, let me take that back. Keep asking, but just know you may not like what you hear. You may like it, or you may not like it. Uh, and then, hey, I'm going to try to move much faster to get through Genesis 15. Uh, so, in verse 18, God made a covenant with Abram. It's an unconditional covenant, right? There was no if, 
God spoke more specific into Abram regarding what he has planned to give Abram, right? Unconditional meaning, I will do this regardless of what will happen. A conditional covenant would be, if you do this, I will do that. So God was making an unconditional covenant. Um, there's so much more uh, to talk about the covenant, but I don't want to talk about that um, this morning. So anyway, the second half of Genesis 15 gave us a glimpse of how all things will come together for God's great plan. Read through the rest of Genesis 15 slowly. I want to encourage you guys. Uh, I'm not going to have time to go through that this morning, but it's a reminder that most things and events don't revolve around us. We revolve around God's plan. Right? It's a hit to the ego. Maybe it's just my ego. It's a, maybe I'm being too honest. It's a little hit to the ego, especially in this day and age of, of, of me, myself, and I. You know, what am I going to get? When, I'm, when am I going to get what I want? When am I going to get whoever you know, John Smith has? Or, or when is this? When is that? But remember, God is the center of all things. And all things revolve around him, not us. God loves us unconditionally, but it's the truth. God is at the center of all things, and all things revolve around him. The universe doesn't revolve around us. The universe, including us, revolve around God, and he's the center of all things. I don't want to repeat that again because that, that doesn't sound good, but, but it's good for us to know that and accept and understand of who God is and why he's working all things together for, for, for his purpose. So in the second half of Genesis 15, I, feel, I felt as if Abraham got a little bit too familiar with God, which is why he decided to ask, you know, how will I know if I would get these things you said I would? Well, God answered him. But it's, it's not... Was it just me? Or do you guys think that, that God didn't really tell Abraham of all the nice, flowery, great things? Because there are other things that, that God wants to make sure that his name, at the end of the day, is honored and glorified and lifted up. And sometimes it does, it does mean we have to go through some struggles. So anyway, at the end of Genesis 15, God long, went along with Abram's request and told him the, the specifics of the land that Abram's descendants will get. So I want to bring um, Genesis 15 to an end by saying that, as I said in the beginning, God wants to speak to us. It's very important that he wants to speak to us. You know, he wants to comfort us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to lead us. He wants to steer us to the path that he, set, he has set aside for each of us. Don't tune him out. Try not to tune him out. Seek to hear from him and believe, just as Abram did. Believe in him. Trust in him. Even when we hear of some unpleasant things that are ahead waiting for us, trust in his plan. Have faith in him. Believe in him because all things will come together for his own good. Right? Because I'm up here. It's not because everything is all nice and rosy for me. I know we all have our own struggles. We all have things that we need to walk through and trust in God. But I want to encourage each and every one of us. Trust in him. Trust in the things that he has revealed to us. How can we hear God? It may sound a little bit looney tune, right? When you walk out there and you're trying to share with people, it's like, well, you know, I feel like God is calling me to do this. So, well, how do you, who's speaking to you? You hear an imaginary voice? I, um, 
I know this question because that's what I used to put to other people prior to me coming to know Jesus. Um, but anyway, it, it is not. It's much easier to hear from God than we realize. Because as I said earlier, we constant, God constantly wants to speak to us. He wants to tell us of, of, of his mighty love for each and every one of us. So what are some of the ways that we can hear from God? And if you're here enough of time, just at, um, any amount of time, you realize that if you can put up the last slide, though. Number one, read scripture. Often. Read it slowly. Memorize scriptures. Memorize the verses that jump out at you. If it's not your favorite book, then it should be. <laughs> if, if it's not your favorite book, if I can say, you probably don't know it well enough. Because that is who God is. I want to encourage you guys. This, when I travel, this is the one book that I always take with me. It's, it's a little bit awkward at first. When I, I, I'll be honest, you know, when I opened that book on the plane, traveling for my side job, I saw moonlighting from Monday, Mondays through Fridays. But once we come to know this incredible book, we can tell people, share with people the things that God is speaking to us through here. There's a lot of wisdom in here. So make sure that it is your most favorite book that you have. And if there are so many quotes in other books that you memorize, it takes time to learn from Scripture. Number two, spend time with Him. Spend alone time with Him. Read the Scriptures, spend time with Him. I know it's very simple, right? Very basic. But we need to do that often. What are some of those things? Whatever that makes you feel relaxed and when your mind slows down. For some people, it's running. For some people, it's quiet time. For some people, doing chores like folding the laundry, or doing the dishes. Uh, for some people, actually spending quiet time in a room by themselves. And for some people like me, I listen to worship music. That's when I hear from God. So whatever it is, find an activity that will help you slow your mind and try to hear from God. Because He's constantly trying to speak to us. And as I said earlier, He wants to talk to us, just like how I want to talk to my kids but they're constantly distracted by the video games, right? Or thinking about, I feel like I always make my son look bad, but Liam, he's always thinking about how he was not able to defeat the game that he played yesterday. You know, sometimes he play Overwatch, sometimes he play Brawl Stars. It's like, oh man, if I went in this record, sometimes I can see the look on his face. It's like, what are you thinking about? Oh, the game I played yesterday, I lost, I should have won. I say, I use that as an example because that's, that's how we are when God's trying to speak to us. Because I'm trying to tell him, hey, Liam, I love you. I'm proud of you. And you can, you, you can tell in his mind, he's thinking about how he can defeat, get to the next level in his who knows what game. And it's the same with us. Try to find a time where we can be quiet. Whatever activity that is, it's not always the same for everybody. It's different for everybody. Find that activity and slow your mind down and hear from God. And then when you read scriptures, hear from God, just as Abraham did. Believe in him. Trust in him. Follow him. Right? Abraham believed in God, and God, God credited him as righteousness. Let's be the people who can say that. I believe in God. I trust in him. And I'm righteous because I believe in God, because I have faith in him. That's what we should do. That's what we can learn from this chapter, Genesis 15. And when we do that, we will grow in our knowledge and our understanding of God. And that is what he wants. God wants us to
to know of his love. That's his most, if I can say, I don't know if I should say, that's what he wants. He wants desperately, because I relay that through me as a father. I desperately want them to always know how much I love them. All the time. Doesn't matter what happened, because that's what I tell them all the time, every night. Do you know that I love you, no matter what? That's why God's trying to tell us. He loves us no matter what. No matter all the mistakes that we make, or the wrong decisions that we make, or when we get angry, or when we get frustrated, or we start swearing at people. I do that sometimes, I admit. No one's perfect, right? We should, but sometimes we do, but it's okay. God still loves us, and he wants us to know that. So the more we spend time with him, the more we will grow in our maturity of who he is, and the easier it will be for us to believe in him, trust in him, and follow the path that he has set out for us, and recognizing that God, he's the center of all things, not us. We may, anyway, I think you guys know I, um, what I'm trying to say. So this is what we want to learn from Abraham. He heard God, Abraham, heard God, and he believed in God. Let's emulate, 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 did I say that correctly? Let's copy. Let's copy that, that quality from the only person whom God called his friend in the Old Testament. And that's why we go through this series, right? In each chapter, we want to pick out a character, a quality that Abraham has, and we can try to become that. So then we can grow in our understanding of who God is. Because we are friends of God, right? We talked about that. John 15, Jesus called us friends. So we are friends of God. And what is, there's no better way to learn how to be a friend of God is by copying and learning from Abraham, a friend of God. Amen? Amen. Amen.